0: to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on Donate, and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. It's helpful to think about that because we don't really do cornerstones anymore. Right. But we do groundbreakings. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think about the kingdom of Jesus, is coming, his death, and his resurrection and ascension as the breaking ground of the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah. And yes. And now
0: we're building. We're building. On the place where he broke ground.
1: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in.
0: Well, welcome, everyone, to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are jumping into the book of Haggai today, or Haggai. Double G. Double G. Haggai. One Um, of the
1: most explored corners of Scripture. Yeah,
0: I was actually like flipping (laughs) into it in my Bible, and I was like, okay, it's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. And I was like, I kept flipping back because it's one single page (laughs) in my Bible. It is not long. (laughs) It's not long. Um, But I I know very little about Haggai, and so uh, other than... I know where he's situated historically. And so Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about what's going on, but I don't know what he's bringing. So I'm really excited to hear about it. What are you most excited about?
1: Uh, For this episode in the book of Haggai, I'm really excited to talk about how God's promises to be with his people and to provide for his people all come true before God's people start to obey.
0: Oh, I see.
1: That's really the nutshell. Like God is generous pours out his spirit, blesses, promises, does all these things for God's people before they ever make movements to do the right thing. Mm. So I think that's a really interesting idea that I'm excited to explore alongside Haggai. And then the next episode, we'll probably talk about how and why God uses certain leaders to shake the world order and reestablish his own kingdom. That sounds fun. So yeah, so Haggai, really short, but a lot of really cool things. Baked into his prophecies.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're excited about especially what we're going to look at today because God is going to be with his people. He's going to do some awesome stuff before his people even obey, which is, I mean, when I'm thinking about the Bible, I'm like, it typically is like, okay, if you obey my commands, you'll be blessed, especially like Torah law is do these things and you'll be blessed. That They're tied up with one Mm -hmm. another. Right. But I mean, I guess to be fair to the Torah, it's not necessarily do this and up till that point there is no blessing and once you obey then the blessing comes we're not given like a time scale for which one comes first right
1: well i think the reason haggai ends up talking this way is because of the way that god starts his covenant or his relationship with israel all the way back in the book of exodus right god brings his people out of slavery he makes them his people. He promises to be with them, to bless them, to make rain fall in the spring and to make their crops grow yeah. in late autumn. He promises to make sure that the, they and their cattle are fertile. He, His presence is all this kind of beautiful garden-like things where mm. the people of God will sprout up successfully. That's what God's covenants with them to do
0: and they and he gave that covenant like while they're out in the wilderness
1: right before he ever told them to obey a law mm, right so yeah. god promises to do all these things for them and then he says if you're willing to obey my law mm-hmm. and i've already started to do those things for you i have gonna do a down payment on the type of things i'll do for you because what did i just do i freed I, you from egypt i freed you from slavery i split open a sea for you i yeah uh, manna has fallen out yeah. of the sky. And you weren't like the
0: best obedient servants. You didn't even know what commands to obey. Right. I did it because I loved you. I did it because I'm a covenant-making God. I did it because I'm gracious and merciful. That's right. And so God's, so what you're saying is God's always been present with his people to provide before they've obeyed. That's right. And so Haggai's picking up on the character of God in that. Yeah. that that's always how he operates. I mean, I'm even thinking about creation. Yeah. It was like, what did nothingness what did chaos what did the black void of space do to earn god's creative act of everythinging it i mean nothing nothing, nothing. yeah
1: they had no universal natural laws to obey gravity right. did not right. have yeah. a constant <laughs> like yeah right you know that's a funny way to think about <laughs> the, the
0: torah is like, not
1: even nature had a
0: torah <laughs> not even nature, nature had a law to obey gravity didn't know which way was up Right. Yeah, so it, it couldn't even obey. All you had was the the swirling wild and waste. And then God blessed the
1: in- gravity with objects to attract to each yeah. other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So, this, okay, so God's character is such that he always is with his people to provide for them before they obey.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's the way Israel starts, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Israel starts that way. They're founded on that character.
1: And then what's the first thing that happens is they disobey. The golden calf? The golden calf, <laughs> yeah. right. Oopsie. Um, yeah, so there's a period of 40 years in the wilderness. Yep. And after that period Wherein of 40- God kept providing
0: for them. Their sandals never wore out. They never went without a meal. That's they from, had yes. water from a rock. Right.
1: like right. Even in their disobedience and
0: punishment, God was still with them God to provide for them. God was still present with them. Yeah.
1: And... Particularly for our purposes, where was God still present with them during that period of time? In the tabernacle? Yes. So right after, in Exodus 24, like the covenant is confirmed. Mm-hmm. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. Right. The next five chapters are all descriptions on how to build the tabernacle.
0: Yeah, everyone's favorite part, Exodus 25 to 30. Right.
1: It's, like, it's <laughs> what you love to read uh, <laughs> whenever you go into the book of Exodus. Please the, tell me more about the priest's breastplate. The deep, deep... Explanation of what the the priest's breastplate is <laughs> going to look like, the pomegranates on top of this thing, and anyway, but it's significant oh, it's because significant. God will be with His people; He will be their God; He will be their King. Where, in the tabernacle, yeah, and the tabernacle is this living symbol of God's provision and His presence and His leadership, even of a disobedient people. Mm-hmm. So. That tabernacle follows them through the wilderness right. to the borders of the Jordan River 40 years later, yeah, where that presence promises them a whole land to be their own, right? right? Yeah. So they enter the land, and by God's blessing found in the tabernacle, what happens? Enemies are scattered. People are pushed back through a man named Joshua, who another man named Joshua is really important in the book of Haggai, mm. and those enemies are pushed back. God's people start a kingdom. Kings are instituted, and what do they do with the the tabernacle? They make it even better and more grand. They form it into the temple. They form it into a temple where God's presence is, but also that's where it's kind of weird to think. It's it's almost hard to think not think about it magically, (laughs) but it's like almost as if because God's presence is there and because God's temple is there, that's also why the land continues to produce its fruit. Okay, that's what I was going to ask a question about. Yeah, because
0: you you've put together. God's presence and provision. Yeah, and I was like, I was gonna circle back around to it. Yeah. but you, you, you went there. Yes. So I'm like, what? Why are those two ideas connected? Why are, is God's being with His people connected to the provision for His people?
1: I mean, the simple answer is because that's who God is. He's a provider. I mean, you already set it up by going back to Genesis, mm. like when God's presence, and His word, His word, His voice, His breath, His breath first shows up. What ha- what happens? Life. Life. Things sprout up out of the ground. Mountains are formed. Chaos is subdued. God's presence is synonymous with creation mm. and provision and abundance and blessing. Mm. Right? So like that's yeah. that's what his presence is meant to do. Give more life. So if the tabernacle is moving with them, life will follow them. If the temple is there, life will be with God's kingdom as it spreads throughout the world. I see. It's That's really healing. For me to hear <laughs> i
0: think and i'm probably among a minority maybe i don't know listening to this but when i think about god's presence and it's like okay it was on sinai and this thunderous cloud you don't go into it mm-hmm. and then that thunderous presence went into a tabernacle and nahab and abihu offered the wrong fire and it consumed them you better be careful right, don't right. go into the holy of holies the wrong way mm-hmm. and like And like, don't touch the Ark of the Covenant or you'll die on the spot. And, you know, so when I think about God's presence, I think about destruction in that time period,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not creation.
1: Yeah. And so,
0: like, help me with that.
1: Yeah. Well, you should think about both things. (laughs) Great. Uh, So you're not wrong to be like, wait, wait, what about all these problems? What about all this destruction that happens? But let's finish this story of creation. So the idea is, but where God's temple is, his presence is, and his his creative power is also, right? That's the idea.
0: Where God's presence is, his creative power is also. Okay, yes.
1: But your question is, well, what happens when
0: his presence is destructive and uncreation? Well,
1: the reason God's presence is there to create and to be a blessing to his people is because God's a generous God. Uh But he promises that blessing and creative power only when and if God's people continue to obey. Okay. Right? Yep. I'll be this creative, life-giving yep. God. And I'm going to start blessing you before you obey. Before you obey. Will you obey my laws? Yes, we will. Uh-huh. Obvious question. What happens when we disobey God's laws? That's that's what you're asking, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what happens when you disobey God's laws? You get all of uh, creation unleashed on you. You decide to step outside of the commands that allow you to access the life of god Mm. all that is not god all that is death comes upon you i see okay let me let me try something on here yes
0: so when when god created the world his his, the presence of his character and his will Mm -hmm. brought forth abundance and it created the garden of eden unmeritoriously he brings Adam and Eve into that garden mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he gives them commands. You may live in this place before you've done anything mm-hmm. and to stay in here all need you need to do is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep. <laughs> so there's there's the paradigm that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. They disobey that, they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and they're cast out into thorns and thistles, uncreation land. Death. right? Lack of Death life. Death comes in and I'm wondering if that paradigm I just think the Adam and yep. Eve story tightens it up yep. for me all the yeah, categories. Yeah. And so Maybe the reason why that is for what we're talking about, where presence and provision are mapped onto each other, mm-hmm. is you're you're saying God's character, who God is, is abundance. Mm-hmm. And so when we act like God by obeying mm-hmm. his his mm-hmm. commands mm-hmm. are expressions mm-hmm. of how to be yeah, like yeah. him, right? Yep. So when we obey his commands, we're acting like God. Therefore we participate mm-hmm. and continue and contribute to that abundance. Yep. When we disobey the commands, we are uncreation in the midst of provision right we are the destructive force Mm -hmm. and so god moves us into uncreation space in order for us to act out our decreation we're trying to do on our own yep and keeps his abundance over here in his presence yes and so we need a way to get from uncreation into right his presence which is where provision is
1: so yes What's interesting is that the temple is this place where God's presence and life and creative power lives. But God's temple is also the place where covenants are repaired. Mm. So you have, here, you I'm your God. You are my people. Here are all the things you must do to be in the temple. Here's what it should look like. Here's what the priest should do. Here's what all these things are supposed to be. And then what's Leviticus all about, right? After a whole bunch of of sacrifices mm-hmm. in case you fail the covenant.
0: Right. Or, I mean, even in the flow of the Torah, they did fail the covenant with the building of the golden calf. Well, that's right. That's Moses right. tries to enter at the end of Exodus, can't. Mm-hmm. And so Leviticus is, now here's how you can.
1: Right. right. So, so the idea here is that the temple actually represents not only God's life-giving power, but also the place where God's life-giving power can be restored to people uh-huh. who have now chosen... To enact death and break those commandments. Does that make
0: sense? So we leave the creative presence of God through disobeying his commands and we break the covenant. Mm-hmm. Therefore, right. we experience the decreation that we bring on ourselves. That's right. Then when we want to restore that covenant, that is made possible at
1: this place.
0: That's right. Called the tabernacle or the temple. That's right. Why?
1: Why did God choose the temple to be the place where... Yeah a covenant could be repaired. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good question. I don't know if I've thought about it before. I
0: mean, I guess in one sense it's like well, that's where God is. Well, yeah, He's the repairer of the covenant. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If
1: you've offended the one that you made the king that you've made a covenant with, yeah, you go to him to fix you it. You go to the king to to fix it. Right. It's uh,
0: less about the place itself and more about the God
1: who lives in it. That's right. Okay. And so in God, in his grace and in his mercy, decided that the way that you would repair a covenant is by offering a bull or a goat or mm-hmm. a lamb or whatever. Right. And he would take that as a symbol of your remorse and his willingness to pass your sins away from you and on to the life of another.
0: Or to use the language we've been yeah using, he puts, like, in, in Genesis, what did he do? He created animals. Right. Right? And what our law breaking does is it brings decreation. Mm-hmm. And so he puts that decreation... Onto that animal mm-hmm. instead of you. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, the, the decreation comes. That's a, that's comes a good idea. Yes. Anyway, I'm
1: just trying to like use that language. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. So, rewind a little bit. Okay. To this is, God's tabernacle has turned into a temple during God's kingdom era.
0: Back in the time of like Joshua. No, no. Back in time of David. Yeah. Solomon. Joshua
1: has moved on to David and Solomon. Yep. Solomon builds this temple. Yes. Great. Okay. W- what happens next in Israel's story? is that king after king after king after king disobeys God's laws Mm -hmm. mercifully and graciously as God has done all the way since creation he continues to bless God's people with some level of abundance and national life right even when they disobey even when they disobey
0: yeah i remember us in kings talking about that where it was like i can't remember which king it was it was like Ahaz or something yeah. and we were both just so confused i can't remember who it was right so confused about like why is this guy s- keeps disobeying or keeps blessing him right well, yeah so that's going so, on yeah so that's
1: going on but the question becomes like what happens if God's people break God's covenant over and over and over and over again. And then the temple where God's presence is supposed to live falls into increasing disrepair Mm. and increasing misuse. If the place where God's presence can be, God's life-giving, creative presence can be accessed Mm -hmm. is being misused. Taken over by decreation. Will God let creation come from that place? Mm. And so the story of Israel's history is The answer is eventually no. Right. Eventually the answer is that the God's people are so going to mistreat his life-giving power, he's going to even take the temple, Mm -hmm. the symbol of his covenant, and the symbol of where covenants can be repaired, and he's going to break it down.
0: Right, and that's what happened in the Babylonian invasion. That's
1: right. So Babylon comes, destroys the temple, and destroys the people of God's hope Mm. in returning to a covenant and returning to a place where a covenant could even be repaired. Yeah. Does that make sense? It so does, like yeah. God's life-giving presence is impossible to To gain now. Right. How can we have all the covenant blessings we had before? God said he'd make our crops grow and make rainfall and give us national borders. And and all
0: that's happening because of, like you said, like the magic of God being in the land. Right. It's emanating out from the temple. That's why the grass grows. Right. Which is kind of a mystical way to think about life, but But it's what we're being invited into here. That's right. I'm I'm reminded of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. So Ezekiel is one of those unique books where part of it's written before the temple's destroyed and part of it's written after. Okay. And so the first part of the book, he, he they've been exiled. They're on the shores of Babylon and they're like we're going to get back in the land. There's hope still because the temple's still there. Right, right, right. So yeah, right. we've been kicked out, we've been driven out, but we can repair the covenant. Mm-hmm. Right? Because why? Right. Because the temple still stands. And then in the midst of Ezekiel, the temple's destroyed and news comes to him and it's hope's over. Right. For a time, then he yeah. prophesies new hope. But like, I, I'm I'm just inhabiting that space of why is it such bad news that the temple gets destroyed?
1: Yes, it's because well we've broken the covenant before, but and we can s- always come back to the temple, right? The right sacrifices can be offered, yeah. and we can we can be right again, and we can experience God's blessing. That's he's right. God's provided a way for us to fix this problem.
0: Yep, but now that provision is gone. Yeah. Okay. And so is that where we? So are? yeah. So,
1: so Babylon destroys the temple. Uh huh. Most of the population of israel is either scattered among the babylonian nation and a lot of people are just deported straight to the heart of babylon yeah then the persians take over babylon Mm. babylon falls and the persian government raises up and a man named king cyrus decides that the people of god should be allowed to return back to their homeland and rebuild their temple Mm. so this is big news yeah god's people are like are saying oh This is how the covenant restarts,
0: right? Because we used to be slaves to a foreign king Mm -hmm. and God freed us by convincing the the leader to let us go. Right.
1: And it's happening again. The same thing is happening again. Our history is about to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And then this delegation goes and guess who it's headed up by? A man named Joshua, a high priest, just like the Joshua before, and a man named Zerubbabel, who's in the line of King David who wanted to build the first temple.
0: All the pieces are in place. So
1: all the pieces in the book of Haggai are in place to think, will this be the time that God's covenant could be restored?
0: And this is overlapping with the time at the beginning of Ezra, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ezra.
1: Yeah, the book of Ezra, the book of Zechariah, all happen okay. around this yep. time.
0: Yes. So the people are coming back into the land. They have all the pieces. They have Joshua. They have the the freedom from the king. They have uh, Zerubbabel in the line of David, and they get there and they rebuild the temple, and everything's great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we would hope you. We would so 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 hope.
1: So a little bit more history before we can actually before we start the book of. Haggai. Okay. Yes. So Cyrus sends a delegation mm-hmm. of people to Israel, and they're tasked to rebuild the temple. Uh, but once they get there, they kind of enter into this weird political, religious tension. Hmm. Under Babylonian control, Babylon divided the area around Jerusalem and turned it into the province of Samaria.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. And,
1: or the capital was in Samaria, headquarters okay. of this large province were in Samaria.
0: Yeah, I've heard about the Samaritans. Yeah, I heard and about And so, a
1: good one. in this big <laughs> province called Samaria, you US had. Radio? What? <laughs> I said, I heard about a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you're so locked in I'm so locked in I've got this geography in my mind that I can't I'm get I'm sorry I couldn't on. pass it up okay so so yeah this yes. this big area known at, headquartered in Samaria mm-hmm. and it's filled with People of God that never left were never deported to Babylon.
0: So some former citizens of Jerusalem who... Yep,
1: who are still there, still there. hang out, okay. uh, still hung out for a time. There's some remnants of the old Civil War where the northern kingdom split off, but they've moved back south now around Jerusalem. Mm. And you also have foreigners and a whole bunch of people. in Some of
0: those neighboring nations that Israel fought to push back. They're now right. like... I mean, well, squatter's rights. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Squatter's rights. Well, Babylon's in control now. It doesn't matter. We're all Babylonian citizens. We can move wherever we want. That's right. L- let's go over here. This old
0: feud with Israel's over. Yeah, it's they're burned down. We thing. can
1: we can rebuild the city for ourselves. Okay, so, so got, this hodgepodge melting pot. Right. But then Cyrus says, okay, mm-hmm. actually, no, I'm going to carve a little rectangle out of the nation of Samaria, mm-hmm. take its sovereignty away from Samaria, give it its own governor, and call that...
0: Texas. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Call that the
1: new place of the people of God. Yeah. So the book opening of Ezra describes why nobody likes this plan, why Mm -hmm. the Samaritans think this is a terrible idea and send all these delegations to interfere with the reconstitution of God's people in this little area called Yehud at the time. Uh And then during that same time period, God's people are like, this isn't worth the effort to rebuild the temple. We're constantly attacked on every side. Nobody really knows who the land belongs to. Is it these refugees that came back? Is it the people that mm. lived here all this time? Is it the foreigners? Who does the land belong to? Right. Does it belong to us? Does it belong to them? And besides that, there's a lot of conflict with the people who used to own this land. And the building project set up by King Cyrus stops.
0: Okay. And is this the same area that was Jerusalem?
1: Yeah, it was like so. There's Jerusalem, and then basically a few square miles outside of it. Like okay. it's like an eight square mile. It's very small. Maybe okay. eight square miles is the wrong dimensions, but yeah, a yeah. very small little rectangle inside the broader province of Samaria. But it would have included Jerusalem, Jerusalem proper. It would have included Jerusalem okay. proper.
0: So all this infighting and and political dispute makes the building project that Cyrus tried to get going impossible. Right. Is it because like they were trying and they just couldn't get it through? Is it because they didn't fight hard enough? Or do Well, we
1: know? what it seems like happened was that they were able to build the altar. When okay. Cyrus sent them back, they were able to build the altar. And that makes sense. That's where you can offer sacrifices. That's where you ask for forgiveness. That would be the place you're going, where... You're, you're you, going to build one thing. You should start that. Right. You, yeah. you should start there. Yeah. This is the place where the covenant could be rebuilt. Yeah. But the book of Ezra just says that Due to this mix of external pressure, along with an internal failure of nerve to stand up to that external pressure, mm. God's people stop building for two full years.
0: Two years. Two years. There's just this lone altar sitting in yep. Jerusalem, and the house of God is still in disrepair.
1: That's right. And then Haggai shows up. Okay. On, weirdly, the 29th of August, the year 520 B.C., <laughs> Does that,
0: that, that mean anything?
1: It doesn't mean anything except to me personally because I'm not used to the Bible having such specific dates. <laughs> yeah, we should start celebrate. We should have a holiday. We should have Haggai Day. Haggai Day. But no, he shows up on that day, and then in less than four months, the temple starts getting rebuilt
0: starts getting rebuilt. yes okay
1: and that's that's the whole book of haggai it takes place within four months Whoa. starting in august ending in december that's cool i know i was like that's why I that, think it never happens in the bible i know <laughs> i'm like this is such a neat little period of time that yeah. every chapter has a date marking on it and it accords with history books and you know we're. yeah that's so, really cool okay I, so we're now we're going to look at the ministry of haggai that's right So the book of Haggai, we've already said, is fairly short and it contains five oracles, which is just a way of saying like a formulaic prophetic word. Okay,
0: an oracle (laughs) is a prophetic word, but you're saying it's formulaic, so does it have a structure usually? Normally it starts
1: or ends with something like, thus saith the Lord. Oh, okay. So when you read that, this is like... Prophetic pro forma. Prophetic, not pro forma. Prophetic stock language. Oh, it's okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, this is, I'm reading a prophecy. Thus yeah. saith the Lord. Now I know what I'm getting myself into. Some in formal form. prophecy. Some formal prophecy. High prophecy. High prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so there's five. There's five of them. In two chapters in two chapters okay yeah, so it's there's they're pretty short which is kind of nice yeah. for the a, for the average reader for, yeah. and for me included like really long prophecy yeah, the, the longer the better <laughs> but they really make two main points okay uh and we'll kind of look th- at them in pairings okay so the two main points are haggai critiques the people of god for failing to rebuild the temple to continue to rebuild the temple mm-hmm. after the altar was built. So that's one set of prophecies. Okay. Yep. The second set of prophecies are given specifically to Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the the, the soon to be governor of this land. Okay. And what he tells them is that by your courageous leadership, God will grant victory and destroy all the enemies of the people of God. Okay. So those are the two main lines of prophecy. Okay,
0: five oracles, two buckets. Two buckets, yes. One bucket is, hey, guys, why'd you stop rebuilding the temple? Mm -hmm. Get on it. Yep. Bucket two is, y'all need some good leaders. Joshua Zerubbabel, it's you. That's right. Okay. That's the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's all you need to know. I'm tracking. Which, which oracles correspond to which bucket?
1: So we're going to look at oracles one and two. Okay. Uh, which is the first chapter, basically. And then the fourth oracle, which is in chapter two. So, okay. I mean, they're all in one and two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah They're yeah. everywhere. Okay,
0: so oracles one, two, and four. One, two, and four. Goes in bucket one. you yep. all start rebuilding the temple. Oracle, then that would leave three and five. Go in leadership bucket. That's right. Okay. I'm game. So we're going to look at bucket one. Yes. Let's do it.
1: Okay, here's bucket one. Haggai chapter one, verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts.
0: Hey, there's that high prophecy There's thing. that high
1: prophecy. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. These people. These oh, people. these people again. So God has noticed these people <laughs> have not rebuilt the temple. So what's interesting, based on everything that we've set up before, why isn't the altar enough? Mm. Like, if the goal here is to get back to the presence of God if the goal here is to get back to that life-giving presence and restore the way in which the covenant can be repaired, well, where is all that activity centered? Well, it's on the altar. Hmm. So why do we need more? Is kind of like that's interesting. Like so, it kind of makes sense they would stop there, right? Yeah. And if it's so, it's so hotly debated. Okay, well, we we got the important thing down. Why so everything else? <laughs> it
0: seems like we got the transactional thing down. Who right. needs the presence of God? <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> so uh, <laughs> we got the credit card. Who needs the dad who gave us the credit card? Yeah, yeah so it's
1: like... that's probably a good analogy moving forward. <laughs> okay. So um, These people. Verse 4, but here's what Haggai says. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruin.
0: Oh, yeah. So they're living big while the mm-hmm. temple has no walls. And it
1: also calls back to the way that David talked about his desire to build the temple. He said, like, I live in a palace of cedar, right? but God is still lives in a tent.
0: Yeah. Which is interesting. It is interesting. Especially because God's response to him was like, Man, I don't need you to build me a house. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, but I'll
1: build you into a kingdom and your son will build the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's the rubble. And here's the rubble. So, okay. yeah. So, verse five. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways.
0: Does that mean like check yourself?
1: Basically, <laughs> yeah. It's like consider your, check, your, check your motivations here. Well, oh, and that's not check your motivations, but consider your surroundings mm. is what he says. Okay. You have sown a lot of seeds, yep. but you've harvested little. Uh, you eat, but you never eat enough. You drink, but you're never quenched. You clothe yourself, but you're never warm. You earn wages, but they seem to go into pockets with holes at the bottom. So what is this?
0: It's it's the magic's
1: gone. The magic's gone. It's yeah. like you're doing everything. Supposedly you did the thing that where the presence would come, right? Which you thought were where the presence uh-huh. would come to the altar, but none of the magic is back, right? God's there's really
0: none of that old provision and abundance that used to be in the land. That's right. And it's like well, I got food, but I'm still hungry. Yeah, and like I drank a little bit, but I'm still really thirsty. What did God promise? Did not He promise
1: to give you abundance,
0: yeah. life, more than you need? Yeah. So His argument is. You guys say you don't need to rebuild the temple, but tell me something. Are any of the benefits of the temple actually here?
1: Does God's covenant feel like it's alive? Yeah. So he goes on. He goes on. This is actually already, we're starting the second oracle. So consider your ways again, thus saith the Lord. There it is. Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. He wants them to rebuild the temple. Yep. He said, but you looked for that wood, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it to me, it blew away. Why? This is why because my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew. The earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills and on the grain and the new wine and on the oil and on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. Hmm. If you go and read Deuteronomy 28. Yeah. It lists all the covenant blessings and covenant curses. Are these the curses? He's, paraphrasing and cribbing from the language found in the covenant blessings. So he's saying, curse. like, you guys
0: think the covenants rebound, you think you mm-hmm. don't need to finish the temple, right? but the covenant's still broken. I'm quoting the covenant back to you to prove it.
1: That's right. So Haggai is critiquing their priorities. Mm. He's, he's telling them, you came to this land with the commission right. to rebuild the temple, and you started in earnest— you did a little bit, uh-huh. but then you decided it, you would be better off providing for your own needs right. than letting God provide for your needs. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. And
1: you've had diminishing returns from the day you started that self-salvation project. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yes. So, so consider, is this really the covenant you hoped would return to you? Mm-hmm. Is this really the covenantal program you want to adopt for the rest of your our national existence? Yep. No, there's a better covenant, a covenant based on the abundance and generosity of God. But that's dependent upon the temple being rebuilt. Mm.
0: So I want to talk about that. Okay. But I have I guess an observation first. Or I mm. just want to highlight what you just said yeah. even more, because it was really good. This idea that Israel or you know, the remnant, uh, what'd you call them? The delegation Yeah, uh, that comes the, co- in, the commissioned ones. Uh, the commissioned from Cyrus. ones come in. They have all these resources to rebuild they kind of stop, and they end up investing instead in, well, you know what? Instead of finishing the, the temple where God's presence could come and the magic could come back and we would have abundance, instead we can manufacture our own abundance. Right. We can build pa- paneled houses. Magic's not real. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah, God's presence isn't the, the issue. The issue is, like, we're in a political wasteland and we got to fend for ourselves. That's right. And so let's, let's batten down the hatches and let's do it ourselves. The yeah. self-salvation project instead of building the place to let God do the work. Yeah. It's just interesting. And I think that's a constant theme through the Bible that I love to pick up on is how often we just try to save ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And then Haggai's just noticing Mm. if you observe the status of your current life, you'll see how you're constantly getting diminishing returns. And that's because you fail to return to the place where God's presence actually lives, the temple. It's
0: it's so interesting because I think we do this all the time, right? We... We try to manufacture our own abundance right? yeah. <laughs> through, through so many different means yeah. instead of going all in on our relationship with God, prayer, mm-hmm. trust, mm-hmm. faith, and leaving that up to him to provide. right? It just right, brings right. new light. This Haggai metaphor yeah. kind of world brings new light to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. To seek first the kingdom of God and His oh, righteousness, yeah. and then all these things will be added unto you. Right. Come to me, and I'll do the magic. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. Just like, that's right. A complete, I hope everybody knows we don't really mean magic, but you know, it's a, I like, mean yeah. magic. <laughs> oh, I <don't> <laughs> but you know, I think that's really interesting.
1: No, I think it's really interesting, and I also think you're hitting on a narrowing of what I want to say. Mm. It's I don't think Haggai is saying that's why you must rebuild the temple. Then he's saying, that's why mu- you must rededicate yourself to the covenant. Mm. The temple is a symbol. Okay, this is helpful because this is going to be my next question. The temple is a symbol of the covenant. It is the place where the covenant can be repaired, but it is not the same thing as God himself. <laughs> right. You know, right? Yes. And so this is, and this gets cleared up, this distinction between rebuilding the temple and then rebuilding the symbol of God's covenant. Mm-hmm. So read with me verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God in the words of Haggai the prophet. So they're obeying, which we would think that means building. Oh, sure. Yeah, they went and picked up a hammer. And the people feared the Lord. The obedience here is not building. It's fearing. Mm. It's trusting that the God of the covenant meant what he said when he said, I will bless you yeah. in my covenant. Will you trust my covenant? And this is further confirmed by, go down to verse 15, or just before that on verse 14. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord, the host, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month. When were the prophecies given? On the first day of the month. It's 23 days later mm-hmm. that they start actually working on the house of the Lord. So when is when do they obey? When do they fear? Uh twenty-three days before
0: the work begins.
1: Before the work begins, and yep. that's counted as obedience. That fear, that re- that yep. desire to be a part of the covenant. Yep. Does that make be- sense? Yeah, and I'm looking at it. And between
0: those two days, or yep. on the day they believe, God says, "I'm with you."
1: That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I am with you when before you start obeying
0: that rock Seth and then what else happens
1: the Lord stirred up their spirits Mm. he stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel spirit of Joshua the spirit of all the people and then they came ready to work on the house 23 Mm. days later wow so what comes first (laughs)
0: the chicken or the egg the
1: chicken or the egg yeah like God's empowering presence comes before the obedience does yeah people express faith that God is a God of blessing and abundance and life God fills them with power and skill to build a place that will symbolize that. Does so, that make sense? Yeah, he,
0: yeah. Once the decreation remnant starts fearing the Lord again, mm-hmm. he is with them to bring about new creation. Yeah, 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 To start creating the temple again. That's right. To start rebuilding, to start yes. unacting all the decreation. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Because I was going to ask the question, why is God being so stingy in a sense? Like, why wait for the temple to be rebuilt? God doesn't... You told David, I don't need a house. Right. Why Why is that the issue? Right. And it's like, oh, it's not. It's a symptom of mm-hmm. the disease. Right. The disease is they've had the wrong priority. Yep. They have not been fearing the Lord. They've not been trusting him. They're like, we can provide for ourselves. That's right. Who needs God? Who needs a
1: covenant when right. we can... We got farming I got, tools. I got paneled houses, homes. Right.
0: Yeah, I don't need anything. Yeah. Yeah. And God's like, that's the problem. That's why there's holes in your pockets. That's why your water doesn't quench your thirst. That's why your food doesn't fill your belly. Mm-hmm. Is because I'm trying to wake you up mm-hmm. to change your priorities that I just want you and me to be together again. Yeah. And you're just self-sufficient.
1: The temple is just a physical building representing mm-hmm. an internal change of heart.
0: Yeah. And so when people have that internal change of heart, God's with them. Like yes. right there. They draw near to God. He draws near to them. That's <laughs> like, right. And he fills them with the spirit yeah. and
1: empowers them to be a force of creation yeah. in the world. To build the temple. There is more to say on this. Okay. Because I said, so that's the first two oracles. Right. The, f- the fourth oracle also picks up on this idea in on in Haggai 2 verse 10. This is about three months later when he makes this oracle. November. November. <laughs> <laughs> And here he talks specifically to the priests and asks them questions about the law. So the priests were supposed to not only do the sacrifices, but they're also supposed to teach God's people about how to interact and act with God. And he asks them some questions. If someone carries holy meat in his clothes, and that piece of holy food touches his other garments, does those do those garments become holy? And all the priests are like, No, that's not the way holiness works. Holiness is not contagious. That's not the way that works. And so then Haggai asks a second question. Okay, what about the other way around? What if somebody becomes unclean by coming into contact with a dead body? Do they become clean? Is uncleanliness contagious? And they're like, yes, it is. That's the way that works. So then Haggai responds. and He says, this is the way that it has been with this people and with this nation, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands, everything you've been offering on this altar until this moment has been unclean.
0: Whoa. I mean, that is like... Right. I mean, pooping on the White House lawn. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of something. It's so... It's worse. It's so disrespectful to bring unclean sacrifices to the altar of God. That is like the ultimate
1: bad thing. They thought the altar... was enough without that change of heart that desired the covenant it was the transactional thing right that's exactly right so they thought all god wants is a place for offer uh, Uh, for him to drink blood and he's like no those are symbols of your desires to be connected to the god of life who is (gasps) generous yes and you have bastardized Mm -hmm. that whole concept Mm -hmm. by just building an altar Mm -hmm. making sacrifices and assuming Religious performance is enough to indicate that you're a part of God's covenant. Yep. And then he basically gives the same critique he gave before. Hasn't it been that when you went up to get 20 measures of something, you only came back with 10? Isn't the case when you went to drink wine, the bottle is always half empty? God has sent all these things to you because you've, you're outside the covenant. Didn't you not do the math? You know the law so well. You know what unclean and... Clean things are, Uh but you don't recognize when you're inside or outside the covenant. Mm. So consider then that on this day forward, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. So there's a, remember, we're two months in the future. Yep, He's giving Mm. this prophecy and he's basically looking back. He's saying, you guys misunderstood the law, right? Yep, You built this altar. You were relying on religious performance and all these bad things happened. But today is a new day. The foundation stone has been laid. Hmm. Your obedience has begun.
0: Oh. The foundation of the temple is not a slab of concrete. No. The foundation of the temple is the fear of the Lord. Yes. And an obedient heart.
1: That's right. And they said and what's interesting too, the foundation stone, I had to do some research on what a foundation stone is. Yeah. So it's two months later, but we're also told they started work two months earlier. Oh, sure. So what have they been doing for two months? Oh. So they've been clearing the land. You can't build something on rubble. So you have to level the land, make sure everything is prepared to start
0: doing work. That's how I always know something new is coming in on a street that I drive past. That's right. There's a bunch of bulldozers out there getting everything out of the way.
1: The land looks unnaturally flat. Mm. So for two months, they've been preparing the land. Two months later, they lay the foundation stone, which is just the symbolic first stone of the work yet to come. Oh, it's like when they
0: break ground.
1: That's right. It doesn't do anything. It like, the golden shovel that sticks up, yeah. like, brings up one hammer of dirt. Yeah. Hammer? Ha- shovel? One hammer, <laughs> one <laughs> hammer of dirt. <laughs> one shovel full of yeah, dirt? It's, it's, it's like,
0: like that's not, like, necessary for the work to get done. It's symbolic.
1: No, it's symbolic of the work that will be done. Yes. The obedience that will come about. Right. And then God says, okay, I will bless you. Mm. You've only laid one stone. Yeah. But I will give you all the covenant blessings as if the temple was finally built.
0: Oh, through one act of genuine faith. Right. You get the whole covenant again. That's right. Well, I mean, come on. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you've been doing 2 years worth of self-salvation efforts, sacrificing unclean things at a transactional altar, and all it took was one act of genuine faith to get all the magic back.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's yes. cool. And I think the foundation stone is a really helpful metaphor to think about what it means to fear the Lord and what Mm. faith actually is in action, because it's the first of many things yet to come. Right. In a way, it's a very significant thing. You trust that God's covenant will be accomplished, that we are building the place where God's presence will dwell, his life will be present, where we can fix the covenant when it goes wrong. It's really significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's just one stone. Right, it's an important stone, a symbolic stone, yeah. the first stone, but it, it's also only symbolizes the work yet to be done. Right. But that first step is enough to experience all the covenant blessings of God. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really interesting that Jesus calls himself, or not, actually Jesus never calls himself the cornerstone. Yeah, but, but it's Peter, said of him. Peter does, yep. Paul does.
0: Is that the same thing, the foundation stone and the cornerstone?
1: That is, From my understanding and my research, they are functionally the same thing. Okay. The cornerstone could have been the first one laid yeah. because it's this really significant right. piece, but it's also symbolic. Like right. it's, oh, the cornerstone has been laid. Everything will be built off of that. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's the way Paul uses and Peter uses that language.
0: Right. As like the first fruits kind of thing.
1: Yeah, he says this in First Peter. So come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, mm-hmm. but chosen by God. And you also are living stones being built right. into a spiritual house around him. So he was Jesus, the first. He was the first, and we are all being built around him. See, I lay a stone in Zion, chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame, which is the promise, same promise Haggai gives mm-hmm. to his priests. The cornerstone has been laid, you will be blessed. Yeah. You will not be put to shame.
0: It's helpful to think about that because we don't really do cornerstones anymore. Right. But we do groundbreakings. hmm And it's interesting to think about the kingdom of Jesus, his coming, his death, and his resurrection and ascension as the breaking ground of the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah. And yes. And now
0: we're building We're building on the place where he broke ground.
1: Mm-hmm. We're, and what are we building? We're building a place where God's life-giving presence mm-hmm. can go out into the world bless people and also a place where people can find healing right when they break the laws of god's command
0: right so let's talk about that yeah because i mean there's so much jesus in this <laughs> yeah it's insane um i mean first off let's let's go back to the very beginning of this conversation god's presence brings provision god being somewhere means there's creation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you have haggai asking these rhetorical questions about cleanliness and uncleanliness and it's like oh is cleanliness communicative Is it contagious? No. Well, is disease? Yes. Uh, Until Jesus comes, and then he's the presence of God bringing creation with him everywhere he goes. So he's able to go to the unclean, like lepers. He's able to go to the blind, those whose sight has been decreated, you know, and he's able to touch them. And bring life to them and mm-hmm. recreation to their bodies, mm-hmm. you know, rebuilding the t- their temple of like, mm-hmm. you know, like like yeah. I was asking yeah. these people to do.
1: And what's interesting is that it feels like almost an internal contradiction within the law. It's like the the general scope of the law is if something's unclean, it can get more things unclean. Mm-hmm. But something that's holy can't make something can't come into contact something unclean without becoming defiled itself. Yeah. But the whole like movement of God as a being has been to come towards disordered and unclean things. Right. And make them holy. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't definitely. that interesting? That is interesting. And so when Jesus walks on the scene, yep. he's not enacting the old logic of uncleanliness, poisoning holiness. Mm-hmm. He's enacting the logic of God's holiness. that right. Comes to a place and recreates it that gives it the abundance, brings it back from the dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. He's escalating far. He's far exceeding the hopes of what even Haggai would have hoped for. Yeah.
0: So, so then, so that's, that's amazing thinking about Jesus as the moving temple that cleanses the world as it passes through it. Yeah. And then I want to get to groundbreaking in a little bit again, but before we get there, I want to talk about the altar Mm -hmm. because I'm just convicted by that. That I think a lot of Christians today can treat Jesus and his cross like the people of Israel in Haggai's day treated the altar. That they want the transaction Mm -hmm. without the place to be with God.
1: We don't want to feel guilty. We want to feel like we're doing the right thing. Yep. But we could go here or there on trusting god with our finances and our house right. and our materials like
0: no we can do that on our own. Yeah, I can provide for myself. I can get a job. I can have a 401k. I can pay off the mortgage. Yeah. I don't need god for All that. All I
1: need god for is to make me feel better about myself. Make sure
0: I'm not going to hell. Right. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. that's
1: I think that's fair. Yeah, there's like um, that
0: transactional relationship that people have with the cross and what's really on the line is Jesus wants your heart. Mm-hmm. He wants to be with you.
1: And he wants to give you far more life than you're currently experiencing. So much more. And it's
0: like, man, isn't that true? Like, let Haggai's words hit you as you're listening to this and let it hit me as I say it. Like, isn't it true that we go buy a a, a dinner for $20 and by the time we're done it ends up fill, filling us up like it was a $10 meal? You right. know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like don't we go on a vacation thinking it's going to be a, a 10 out of 10 and it's a 7 out of 10? Like don't, like, don't we experience this law of diminishing returns that you talked about? Isn't
1: inflation constantly <laughs> eating away at our savings account? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's like, I think we all experience that law of diminishing returns, and it's because our priorities are wrong. Mm-hmm. And this goes by, way back to the conversation we had in Ecclesiastes, that the uh, only way to properly enjoy life is when you are fearing the Lord mm, and obeying a, his commandments.
1: And experiencing everything as a gift. Uh, yeah, but yeah. when it's a
0: gift, you get to experience 10 out of 10 yeah. every time. Twenty efa flower is twenty efa flower every time. Just throwing efas out just there. Just throwing efas. <laughs> I got I got efas on efas, and so I think that's just really interesting. Is that yeah. when we treat Jesus and His cross as a trans- transactional relationship, we will experience no magic in life. Mm-hmm. They're, they're yeah. like, life will be void of magic, and you'll experience the law of diminishing returns no matter how big your house is, mm-hmm. no matter how fancy of vacations you go on, no, yeah. no matter no matter anything. Right. Uh, but. When we have the relationship with God, when we, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We
1: commit ourselves to that covenant. That's yes. right.
0: Then all these things are added. Yeah. And we're just happy to be in God's house again. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's very yes. beautiful. Third thing is this breaking the ground thing. Yeah. Is Jesus came as the, the cleansing presence, creative presence of God in the world, creating new life everywhere he went. And he uh, died in order to be the altar, right, mm-hmm. in the temple.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- that transaction does happen. That's what Peter says. He said, Jesus was raised from the dead. He is the stone rejected by you, mm-hmm. but which became the chief cornerstone. Like, in his death, he becomes the yeah. foundation stone.
0: So. Right. So he broke ground yep. on this new kingdom and uh, this new temple mm-hmm. through his death and resurrection. And now, as we die to self as we die to our paneled houses Mm -hmm. and seek first his kingdom, then we get to start building stones on the ground that he broke.
1: That's right. The command to rebuild the temple still stands. Yes. That's, yes. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's not performative. Nope. But it's an outward demonstration that we believe in the magic. Right. That when we love God and his laws and his kingdoms, all that's his becomes ours. Yes. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Right. Like, yes. and, and
0: what's cool, what's really cool, if we can just extend this magic metaphor, what's really cool is the magic becomes ours. And we get to be participants mm-hmm. in expanding the abundance mm-hmm. of creation. Yep. That we actually get to go out and do what Jesus did yep. filled with his spirit. Like we are little temples yep. filled with the presence of God and we can come to the unclean and make them clean. Yeah. Whether that is someone who is like what Paul said, someone who believes in something that's just not true. Our weapons are against lies. Mm-hmm. And we come to them with the gospel and the truth of of God's word and we take the decreation that's in them and through God's word and the gospel we can make it life. But God like we also can bring healing and mm-hmm. we can pray for people and right, yeah. we get to actually bring Right. The the healing presence of God to people. Like,
1: as individuals, we can reenact that movement of God's creative life power right. into the people who are experiencing death
0: currently. Yes, which is just awesome.
1: Yeah, and then I think the corporate dimension is interesting too. It's yes. like Israel as a nation was experiencing these things because the temple represented not just one person's ability to push back darkness and death, but a people's ability to push back darkness and death and a people's ability to experience the life-giving power of God. Yes. So that's God's church. Yep, like that's, that's the church. That's, that's us. We are the living stones mm-hmm. that are part of a whole that allows other people to come and experience everything the covenant had for the world. We can bless the world when we understand that we are part of a whole that when people come into it experience God's blessing.
0: Yeah, that is really magical.
1: Magical (laughs) is the word for the podcast.
0: All right. Well, that is the first theme in Haggai. That's right. Next week, we're going to look at the second theme in Haggai, which is God raising up leaders like Zerubbabel and Joshua Mm -hmm. to shake the nations. That's right. To be world shakers world shakers this is like a there's a youth, a youth a youth conference <laughs> theme right here
1: i wasn't planning on that but i'm re- i'm here for
0: it <laughs> so we'll see you guys next week to talk about leaders who were earth shakers that's the best that's the best exit i've ever made congratulations thank you all right we'll see you guys next week